Welcome to episode 16 of the Racquetball Show podcast. On this one, we have Dan Whitley, who is president of USA Racquetball. You'll notice that this one, we, I think, taped it maybe a month ago. So some of the things are a little bit outdated. For instance, uh, he talked about the executive director search. They have since chosen someone. They announced that they chose Mike Waddell as the executive director for USA Racquetball. So that was a big announcement. And it, I guess, would be interesting to listen to this interview with the perspective of they've already chosen someone. So have that in mind. Also, I am filming or taping this intro on the way to the U.S. Open. So two things. One, I'm really excited about the U.S. Open and hope to have a chance to interview a bunch of awesome people when I'm at the tournament. And another thing, I'm going to keep this intro a little bit, the intro and not do an instructional segment or anything else, short because uh, I don't love strangers listening to my voice as I ramble into a microphone in the middle of the airport. Great. So welcome to the Racquetball Show, episode 16. I wanted to take a quick moment to plug one of my sponsors, Gearbox Racquetball. Now, full disclosure, Gearbox sponsors me as a player, so of course, you know, sponsoring me on this podcast makes total sense, and I wouldn't sponsor any other brand, but I choose Gearbox for a reason. I think they're a fantastic brand. They provide top-of-the-line racquetball equipment, really anything you need, rackets, eye guards, gloves, bags, and all the other accessories that you might need. And as a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you guys already know that. You're aware of all the brands out there because probably if you're listening to this, you're pretty darn into racquetball. So I just wanted to take a moment to plug Gearbox because I think they not only provide awesome products, but they do an awesome job of promoting racquetball. And they have amazing customer service and everyone you interact with on the Gearbox team is an awesome person. At least that's what I've found in my experience. So if you're in the market for racquetball equipment, I would advise that you check out Gearbox. You can check them out at gearboxsports.com. So I'm here once again with Dan Whitley. Dan is the first uh, recurring guest. So Dan, thanks for joining me. Thanks. I didn't even stop to think about that. I'm the first, like, second time uh, guest. Thanks for thanks for the second invite. Then. Yeah, it's a big time honor. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> So I kind of I wanted to start with what's what might be the elephant in the room, which is that you're with you're the president of USA Racquetball. USA Racquetball has had some issues of of late. So uh, Jason Thorner and Nick Irvine left USA Racquetball. It's kind of unclear to people, and I think part of this interview will be helping get a little bit of transparency behind USA Racquetball. Could you explain the situation um, as to why Jason and Nick left? to the best of your ability unfortunately i can't comment on employee separations i'm glad you started with that question so i could just be upfront on that i can talk about almost anything else and as far as transparency we can be transparent on anything that's not confidential 
or involves, you know, employee situations. So I, I can't say anything as it relates to that. So I hope you can appreciate it, but I appreciate that that's your lead off question too. So I totally get it. But, uh, you know, transparency is an interesting word. So confidential stuff you can't be transparent on, but, uh, anything else, uh, I'm, I'm here to be as transparent as possible. So yeah, and that's totally understandable. Anything else? <laughs> I I figured that would be the case. Um, I to to dig into the transparency thing a little bit though. I think sure. I think people have had a little bit of frustration with USA Racquetball not being as transparent as they could be. So maybe just commenting on that situation, maybe letting people know basically exactly what you let me know, kind of why you can't tell people <laughs> what happened. And, yeah. and in other circumstances, right? Just just letting people know the state of things, letting people know what's going on. Well, well, one thing that that's actually happening now that I, I can kind of speak to uh, the result of having like hardly any staff <laughs> with USA Racquetball is the board of directors and several volunteers around the country are stepping up and doing a lot of things to support our association. And hopefully tonight when we're chatting, we can dig into some of those topics. But I, it's just been incredible, the outpouring of uh, support to, you know, kind of back USA Racquetball. And we haven't, because we're sort of in the trenches working on things, we really haven't stopped to boast about what people are doing or talk about some of the initiatives we're working on. So I'm, I'm hoping today on this call and uh, our podcast <laughs> and uh, in the in the future weeks, uh, we'll be able to start sharing a lot of the initiatives people are working on because there's a lot of things. I think on our last board of directors call, I want to say we had like 18 agenda items and it was, you know, every single one of those we achieved, we were boasting traction on and what's our next step on it. So like, it's really neat. So when we have uh, new staff members join us, uh, we're going to have so many people who are already working on things that it, it should be a really smooth transition. So, and, and then as it relates to transparency, you and I have talked about this a little bit in advance of uh, this podcast. Uh, we need to come up with a mechanism with which we can share after, you know, board calls, what we discuss for the people who are interested. And if no one's interested, at least it's still out there, but there probably are people who are interested and then they might gravitate towards some of the things uh, we discussed and be folks who can be agents of change and help with some of those. And we're looking for as many uh, ambassadors, for lack of a better word, to help with a lot of the things we're working on. And uh, we would appreciate the help. And, and there's a lot of things where uh, there might be an initiative where we have no hands on deck and somebody brings it up. And wow, that could be the person who leads that initiative. It doesn't have to be somebody on the board of directors. And there's a lot of committees out there, and we've even created some new ones recently, too. So and, and then not to be long-winded with the, my response, but uh, you and I have talked about, too, We I could hop on with you or we could have other board members to create, you know, different perspectives or even multiple board members after our calls could hop on with you and uh, kind of share some of the things following each of our board calls in the hours or days that follow. And I'm happy to get together with you again around the U.S. Open because we have an all-day meeting there, and recap some of the things that go on there. And with the U.S. Open coming up, I'm happy to meet with anybody there, or our, our board members are too, to discuss any of the thing that, things that go on at our board meeting there or any of the things that you know are important to people in racquetball. When we're face-to-face, -face, it's so much easier to talk and really see what people are passionate about. But phone calls and emails are appreciated too. So we're open to talking with everybody. We just need to maybe uh, share a little bit more. And then if people are interested, the info's out there. And if they're not, it's still out there for when they are.
Yeah, I guess my perception of it, and I, I have close contact with you as well as just a few of the other board members I've spoken with from time to time. And it, my perception is that it's not that you're hiding from all these issues. It's not that you're like shying away from this stuff. There's just a lot going on with you guys. You've, you know, obviously been through some conflict of late and it's not, it's not like you're trying to hide from this stuff. You just haven't, you're not even on Facebook. One thing I've, <laughs> one thing I've, <laughs> one thing I've noticed though, is the Facebook environment tends to be rather negative to put it lightly at times where they'll just jump on issues. There's a lot of frustration around racquetball, not being the, at the level it could be not being as big as it could be. And people tend to want to blame different organizations. I guess my, this is a long witted way of asking the question, why not respond to these different things individually? Um, whether that's from the USA racquetball site itself or from different board members. So, just to clarify that when there are topics that are brought up on Facebook or through other mechanisms, why not respond to them? Is that what yeah, you're basically. asking? Oh, sure. Yeah. So that is one of the things that we're trying to kind of work towards. We have a couple board members who've brought up some interest in responding. The one challenge uh, in responding when it's going down a negative path is that it's going to stay down a negative path. The challenge in responding uh, in not responding is if it's just somebody being constructive, now you didn't acknowledge them. So to your point, I think, uh, why wouldn't you respond to and be selective? And I think that's where you kind of get into trouble, that then you become selective. So I think what we want to do is create a, a mechanism, and we've kind of talked about it, where questions can be asked and we can respond and we can kind of control the channel, not to filter the message, but just to control our narrative that gets out there. So we're in threads that, that, uh, you know, we can kind of maintain the integrity of and make sure that it's, it's not getting out there because that's the one thing that that's kind of, I guess, most frustrating, like I'll use as an example. So we're going through an executive director search, right? And we have candidates who are involved in the sport and candidates who aren't involved in the sport. So from a PR standpoint, if we hire someone who's involved in racquetball already, it might look like, oh, hey, <laughs> they brought in another racquetball friend or something along those lines. If we bring in someone who's from outside the sport, oh, hey, can you believe they didn't? They brought in somebody from outside the sport. So no matter what, we're going to do what we think is best. And what we, what we try to do is we don't try to get in the weeds uh, when, there, when there's noise and, and things that aren't constructive. I can tell you offline, I've had great conversations with people who've reached out and tried to, uh, you know, really uh, be supportive and, and offer some great suggestions and feedback. And I can also say and share that other board members have, and those channels really help when, you, when folks go that way. I think when you use a public forum to uh, and start with, uh, I don't know, uh, have you ever tried this? It's tough to respond with, well, yeah, but that doesn't, the response is, is a little different when it when it's on social media. So we could be a little bit better than that. And you flagged it early on. I'm maybe the wrong person to be asking that. We have some social media experts who are on our board who who definitely uh, have strong feelings on this. I am not on Facebook. I work with so many kids. It's just never been a practice of mine. And, you know, for, for Veta Sports where I work, uh, anything that, that happens online, uh, we have people who are controlling it and they'll reach out to me if a response is needed and, and 
folks are doing that. So they're answering people. And we as USA Racquetball can can do better at that too. So I, I'm not here to say that we're perfect in that regard at all. I, th- I think we could do better. I think it's a very fair ask. Yeah, great. And I appreciate you letting me, well, not letting me, but I'm just hitting you with hard hitting questions, I think, to begin with. But No, but I think they're, I think, uh, they're very timely questions. And I think uh, you're asking things that other people are wondering too. And trust me, I, I, if something's on Facebook or somebody asks a question on Facebook, uh, there, there's people, though, who uh, comments from Facebook have been brought to my attention. I've reached out to those individuals on, on the phone and tried to talk through through some of those uh, concerns, too. So uh, messages are being heard and observed by people, too. And, and uh, myself or other board members have reached out to some of those folks to see if we can work towards the solutions they're suggesting. So we're, we're here to help, we're not here to avoid duck or <laughs> yeah, hide. I mean, we're totally. all here because we, we choose to be and want it. Like from a board perspective, everybody's a volunteer. So they're there because they want to be. We don't gain anything from it. It's what we can give to it. And, and when you think about it, uh, no one's paid to be on the board. Um, people go through the time and effort to run to be on the board, and they're there. It's a time commitment. Um, and in some regards, uh, I had somebody mention to me, it's actually, you, you almost pay to be a board member cause you, and it's kind of a weird way of saying it, but you have to pay to go to national singles to be at the board meeting. You have to pay to go to the U S open to be at the board meeting. So it's like, uh, it's an investment to be a board member, not, uh, there's no gain. So we're, we're doing it because we want to help the sport. Um, and, and and uh and give back to a sport that's done so much for each of us everybody has their own story on that so anyway yeah awesome good questions to start dylan i like it yeah coming in hot and then (laughs) to continue on the things that i think are on my mind and on people's minds in general the executive director search seems like probably the biggest the highest priority thing for usa racquetball right now what's the status of that search and what are you guys looking for oh well uh I can give you a status as of today and right now. So um, we are looking for the best overall candidate. I know that sounds corny and cliche, but like we don't have that person chiseled out on terms of what, what our ideal is. Uh, we know that uh, there have been a number of people in that spot uh, in recent years, and uh, we know that there are folks who always will suggest you know, that that might be something they're interested in. So we went about this search in kind of a unique way. So we did the posting and we posted on uh, several job posting sites that were either national governing body affiliated or whether, you know, it was like indeed.com. We went on Facebook, we went on our website, we just put it everywhere. And so that we could have one, a neutral environment where we're posting it everywhere. And then two, we aren't recruiting people to we're encouraging people. So apply, apply, apply. Bill, if you would have said to me, hey, I think this person uh, would be a great fit if you reached out to them, my response to you would have been the same. Hey, if you think they're a great fit, please you reach out to them and encourage them to apply because we don't want to overpromise and underdeliver to somebody who thinks that they're going through this as a favor to us. They have to want it and we want them to want it. So they went through and we had over 50 qualified people apply for the position, which was amazing. I, I didn't anticipate a number uh, nearly that high. And we took it a step further. So now we have all these applicants. And one part of the process I'm, I'm skipping here is I, uh, I have a, a 
friend here in St. Louis, and she works in talent acquisitions for Edward Jones. And she has volunteered to come aboard and assist uh, in guiding the process and the search. So that brought an outside person in uh, to manage the whole process and remain objective. And what that did was, in addition to us bringing in uh, all these applications, is it allowed us to really create an extensive process to sure that we maintained neutrality and objectivity throughout the whole process. So uh, everyone who uh, responded uh, were, I guess we narrowed it down to initially 15 to 20 people. And in that initial 15 to 20, uh, they were surveyed. Uh, they completed an email survey. And then from there, it was followed up with a phone screen. And then once we went through uh, the phone screen process, the candidates were further narrowed, and now I'm not going to get into specifics, but now we have it narrowed down to a handful uh, of candidates who will be doing a face-to-face -face interview uh, with our uh, executive director search committee. And uh, those interviews will actually be next week, so the week of September 10th. So, And those will all be in person, and uh, we'll be face-to-face -face with some folks and really get to know them. And uh, those will be some extensive interviews because we want to make sure um, – we're moving forward and, and selecting the best candidate for the job. And we really get to know those people. So we're taking this very seriously. Yeah. And what is, what's your kind of projected deadline for picking a candidate? So, okay, I'll give you my selfish dream scenario and then, uh, <laughs> and then we'll see if I can, I, I can uh, help influence uh, that, that, that process. So the goal would be to have these final interviews the week of the 10th and then have this selection committee, uh, take something or a recommendation uh, to the board of directors uh, for approval. And then uh, ideally that approval would then be to allow uh, the selection committee or the search committee rather um, the ability to begin negotiations with that candidate and uh, within a certain uh, salary range so that uh, we could extend an offer and see if that uh, would work for that person. Then you expect that person to accept an offer. So now like you're looking you know, the dream scenario has somebody accepting an offer the week of uh, September 17th, and then we could have a new executive director in place by the U.S. Open and have that person on site there. And uh, what a heck of a place, by odd coincidence, uh, <laughs> to introduce a person. If they're from the racquetball world, that's probably great. If they're from outside it, wow, that's, a, that's jumping in. <laughs> that's yeah. head first jumping into the pool. But, uh, you know, the great thing is our, our whole board of directors will be there and uh, lots of opportunities to, you know, network whoever and introduce whoever. And, uh, you know, like I shared earlier, you know, a, a great part of the U.S. Open is, is being there with the most enthusiastic people in the sport. Everybody who goes to the U.S. Open is an ambassador in their area. And we really, really have tried in the past to keep the lines of communication open with people. And you know this because you and I have had dialogues and stuff, but... Uh, we can do better at that and communicating this message. And, and that can be one of the narratives that, you know, sticks with the new executive director, you know, he or she might, um, you know, be somebody who uh, just gets out there and, and really can meet a lot of people that week. That would be really neat. Yeah. Great. And then just to inform people, are you running for executive director? <laughs> I, I, I'm not. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. So if that's something that was out there, I, I am not, I, I, you know, I really love USA racquetball and I, I also really love that of sports in St. Louis. So I'm, uh, and I really love my family. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really happy in the situation in life I'm at right now, but I, you know, 
because I love USA Racquetball, I want to work to find the best person for that job. And it's not me right now. At least right. I don't think so. <laughs> and and I knew that, so I just figured I'd yeah. ask because it's a weird, <laughs> it would be a weird conversation if people are like, "Oh, we want to find the best director," and then you and then you win. And it, oh you my know, gosh! You, yeah, 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 I just thought <laughs> that would bring a different element to it. Yeah, no, uh, clear all that out. No problem. <laughs> yeah. So does the executive director? I guess what does that person do? And you do they they work out of Colorado Springs? Is that the idea? Is that why you wouldn't be able to do it? Um, um or, I wouldn't be able to do it personally because I love what I do. So that's it. that's more what where where my where my uh my part would be. But uh for the right candidate, uh, you know, our last executive director worked remotely. So we're open to that concept. Um, our office is in Colorado Springs. So again, it's the best candidate. So if the best candidate uh, needs to work remotely or prefers to work remotely, that's a variable we have to consider in it. Um, you know, all things equal, you have two equal candidates and one's willing to be in Colorado Springs and one isn't. It's a huge edge for the person who wants to be in Colorado Springs. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, uh, maintaining that as a, a home base and, and, uh, having a team that works together. And, you know, that executive director's, uh, you know, it, it's part of a whole, you know, package of variables. And so you were asking, I guess, kind of like what the executive director does, and I think so often uh, we focus on membership and events um, because those are the things that are first and foremost in our heads because we are uh, always hearing about membership numbers and we're always hearing about you know event sanctioning or going to a national championship. So when you when you think that that's just the job of the executive director, that's just scratching the surface. So thinking bigger picture, the executive director works with. Uh, all the key stakeholders in the sport there's, you know, and then there's lots of other, uh, groups within the sport too. Um, you know, and the state associations. And when I say groups within the sport, I, I should clarify that too. Like the, the IRT, LPRT and, you know, USA Racquetball owns war now. And then there's the MRF, the NMRA, uh, WRTs out there. So there's a lot of groups that are, are creating programming, uh, within the sport. And we all, kind of have to work together and that executive director is sort of the glue that brings everyone together and those relationships uh, are key and i think you and i have talked about this too um how we market our sport is really really critical and we need someone who's going to come in and have strategies to grow the game and one of the you know i, I can share this too one of the the parts to our interview process uh the folks who are in the final interviews are going to have to present um a 90 day strategic plan so that we know what they're, what they're planning to do. Uh, you know, when they want to come in and hit the ground running, we want to, to know. And I realize that, you know, could sound uh, a little tricky for a person who's not familiar with our association, but we're here to support them, <laughs> not here to, you know, find fault with them. So, you know, I'm a big advocate for, and you and I have joked about this too, about redirection and, uh, that kind of philosophy of management and stuff. And, and it's not about like, Hey, that won't work. It's like, Hey, maybe this would work better. And so the goal would be to, to see if, you know, someone who's, who's coming into this spot would, would have some ideas of what they want to do rather than just expecting to be told what to do. Cool. And now, so there, there's kind of a buffet of different topics that USA racquetball, you know, is working on 
that I could get into, but I I don't really know which one to pick on. So I'll ask you what which one are you most excited about? Which upcoming thing that you're working on are you most excited about, and what are you guys working on? Oh man, you're gonna ask me my favorite. Okay, that's a head just, scratcher. Yeah, most excited about or which um, one comes to mind? Well. Okay, so my, my absolute favorite one, um, and you, you know this because I've talked to you and you're getting involved in it uh, too, is, and that's the marketing committee. Um, uh, we probably don't have as much traction in that one short term because we're still trying to kind of create an identity for that group and, and, and what we can do. But to me, that's, that's going to be the real key to all this. And so uh, feel free to, you asked me the question, but feel free to chip in <laughs> on any parts I'm leaving out on the marketing committee, but Amy Ruiz, who is, who's on our board of directors is chairing a new committee um, that our board approved called the marketing committee. I think it's actually been around in the past historically in USA racquetball, but hasn't been around for a period of time. And one of the key elements of that is making people aware and familiar with all of our top U S athletes. And those folks can be the role models for the next generation of players which also influences, you know, growth goals and targets that marketing can influence too. And we, you and I have definitely had side conversations on just how we can better promote U.S. team athletes and, and prepare for these matches we're live streaming so that people can be more familiar with the players and almost like feel like they have a horse in the race and, and back people or just really go out of their way to, you know, identify with certain players. If you look at like Ultimate Fighting or WWE or, or, uh, I guess almost any of the professional sports really now, like if you look at Sunday morning programming preceding NFL games, they really allow you to identify with the players on some different levels. And if we could create, you know, those types of uh, background packages, you know, even if they're three minute things, just that we could air in advance of folks matches, that would give more personality behind the players. And then, you know, a new looks for up and coming people and just, just ways to draw more attention to the key people in the events. And it makes people want to watch more in terms of the streaming. It makes people want to watch more when they're there in person. And then uh, I think uh, we get, you know, at least here in, in Missouri and I know in Oregon where, where you are, there's tons of junior players. And I really think it's critical, like as the St. Louis person, uh, a person who's starting, you know, little league baseball can aspire to be a St. Louis Cardinal. I think it's really neat. You know, the men on the IRT or the women on the LPRT can be those role models for, you know, future generations of racquetball players. And certainly we have top caliber athletes on our U.S. teams and our national championships create those players, too. So I think if you look around our sport, there's a lot of uh, great athleticism and athletes that parallel those across any sport. We can really promote them as that. And that's it's not something we've done poorly. It's something we haven't done. So just doing it uh, to whatever level, if it's a one minute, two minute, three minute snapshot, that, that's great. So I'm pumped on this marketing committee. I could talk on that one uh, forever. I, I think that's great. Um, uh, another I'll, I'll transition, I'll kind of give you a, a couple different answers because I, I want to give some props to some other groups. Uh, another one that uh, I really think is great right now is we have a national events committee that formed, and they are uh, responsible for picking and selecting the venues for our national championships going forward. And uh, pretty soon we'll have the entire schedule uh, able to be released for uh, 2019, and we're kind of doing it uh, in, in a really quick way 
but we've been really efficient and having a, a committee that's taken the time to create this schedule. It's not falling into one person's plate to, to determine. We've got a whole group of people who are working together on this. And then that decision from that committee or their recommendation goes to our board of directors to approve. So a lot of people are putting a lot of thought and effort and time uh, into the decisions for our national championships, which just give us all that much more confidence. We're going to have some great uh, venues in 2019. So a lot to be excited about there. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's what those two are doing. And, and I guess I, I, I won't cut myself off, even though I almost did. Um, that committee will also work to kind of almost create a subcommittee of uh, tournament uh, director experts around the country who are, you know, really savvy using R2 sports. And those, that, that group that's going to be sort of phase two once the national event schedule gets out will be to help uh, other tournament directors around the country by sharing best practices, helping people get started with their tournaments. And we're even going to like, when we were talking about Facebook before, we even plan to create a, an area, a group on Facebook. I don't know the right terminology <laughs> where people can uh, ask questions and, and share best practices uh, right there. So you can always see it in its archive. So it wouldn't just be myself calling you as an expert and you sharing that with me, there, there'll be an archive of places to go. So we're not providing the same answers to the same questions in these one-on-one cases. Everybody can see everything. And, uh, so that'll be the second phase uh, for this uh, national events committee. Got it. And then on a somewhat related note, as it relates to the marketing committee, I don't know how related it is actually, but <laughs> you you introduced um, at National Singles, you introduced Rhonda as I believe the female athlete of the year. Could you uh, yeah. explain your story with Rhonda and your daughter? Oh my gosh. And you know, you want to know what? There was like even communication with them today. So like, I love it. This, is, this has just been the most fascinating thing. So I, and I love to tell the story and uh, I think Rhonda gets a kick out of it too. And I think it gets... I think it gets old to some other people because they hear it. It comes up so often. But here, I'll gladly share it. So back in uh, March, uh, when the Pan Am Championships were going on, my sister and I, or my sister, my daughter and I uh, were at home alone on a Saturday morning. And I had uh, Rhonda's final against Paola streaming on the TV in the house. And I grew up uh, with a family that would always have, you know, whatever tennis matches were on on Saturday morning. It would just be on and you were exposed to tennis. And it took me a while to find the right link to, to, to stream this. And, you know, I, I feel like if we're spending a lot of time to fundraise for our U.S. team, we should really make it accessible to watch a match as great as this, particularly when it's one of the U.S. team players like Rhonda. So my daughter and I watched the match, and, and Morgan's, Morgan's her name, and, and she's five, and she loved it. She, you know, I, I work in a racquetball club, and she's never really cared about racquetball before that much and she was just enamored by watching Rhonda play she was calling her Miss USA and the racquetball girl and then when Rhonda won in a real exciting match uh, Morgan was running in circles around the house and saying Miss USA and the racquetball girl and, and was just fascinated by this and I you know I took two things away from it one I really liked that my daughter was able to watch you know a strong uh, female athlete you know play a sport um, and and you know and kind of have that aspiration like I was talking about before because I think that's a great role model. And then two, 
I really liked that if we can market this and get people to be streaming this when it's available, it doesn't matter the platform, whether it's, you know, International Racket Federation or, uh, you know, any of these uh, groups are doing streaming. It seems like you can find some streaming racquetball content every weekend. Uh, we should be sharing it so everybody can be watching racquetball. So my daughter was exposed, wants to play racquetball. She's into it. Um, fast forward to national singles. My daughter had a preschool graduation that I missed because I was at national singles. And I, and, uh, I, after I watched my daughter graduate through a phone with video clips and pictures, my wife was sending me, I went to the ladies night function that was, uh, at the bar at the hotel. And I ran into Rhonda there and shared the story. And then Rhonda, uh, you know, uh, really appreciated hearing this and could kind of relate with, my daughter and stuff. And it kind of has created an interesting friendship between the two. So in that moment, you know, um, I didn't always have the strongest, uh, my daughter just definitely prefers my wife. (laughs) And so Rhonda created a video, uh, you know, congratulating Morgan on graduating from preschool and sent it. And I texted it, you know, home to my wife to share with Morgan. Morgan's still up at 10 o'clock at night back in Missouri. And she kept watching the video and just really, really liked it and just thought that was awesome. And then, you know, I'm sharing that with Rhonda and the days that follow and buddies of mine are sharing it with her too. And I think she just really appreciated that it meant so much to this five-year-old girl, girl in Missouri she's never met. So she asked, you know, we talked about it. She asked me and we were talking about it and if I would kind of share that story on some level to get exposure. And I told the story a little differently when I went up there because it was really more about Rhonda's moment and I didn't want to take away from that because it, it was really cool that, you know, her and my daughter sort of have this link and Rhonda helped get a shirt, U.S. team shirt signed by all the women's and junior uh, U.S. team players and stuff and sent it home to Morgan. And then Morgan drew her a picture and sent it to her in the mail. And then so they've kept corresponding. And then Morgan had a tough first day of school. And when Rhonda was at Worlds, she sent Morgan a video message to, you know, try to help her cheer up because she she was having trouble sleeping. She thought there was a skunk underneath her bed or something along those lines. And then uh, fast forward to yesterday, I randomly, I still don't quite know what happened. I got a USA Racquetball magazine in the mail. The magazine's been out for a while. I have no idea why it showed up yesterday, but Rhonda's on the cover. My daughter just assumed it was for her. So she asked me to take a picture of her with the magazine and send it to her friend Rhonda. And uh, so I sent it to Rhonda and <laughs> you know, Rhonda gets a kick out of it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's pretty neat. And I think that goes back to the connection on that marketing committee thing. I think that's just something that racquetball has that when I was using major league baseball as the example, they don't, I mean, the engagement can be great. And, you know, I, I'm definitely guilty of, we've hosted some pro tournaments in St. Louis. I have not really gotten to know the the guys on the tour because I'm busy running the tournament. It's not because they aren't approachable other people there have gotten to know them. And I think anyone who doesn't know all of the, the, the top players, it's because they haven't felt like they could connect because everybody's so approachable. And I think we can really, we can really share that. And, and that's the men's and women's players. I mean, I, I think it's a great group and I think, uh, you know, there's, there's other Morgans out there too. And, uh, everybody's willing to get to know, but that it cracks me up. You asked that question on the day of all days. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Perfect timing. And yeah. I guess, so my point is, I mean, it, it's not necessarily going to be on that personal of, of a level, maybe where you're texting with all the athletes, yeah. maybe, but maybe not. <laughs> the idea is I think more of the connection comes not through watching these people play, but you get really connected to the sport and really engaged in it when you get to know 
the athletes and get to know the stories of the athletes. And I don't think there's that much out there that does that. And I think a lot of the athletes are totally open to that. Like take Kane, for instance, who is on my podcast and he's totally interested in sort of talking about this, you know, basically being, being open, but he's not the type to share, share stuff on his own, which is totally fine let's take advantage of that stuff, you know? And I I think that's what the marketing committee can provide um, is the stories of the athletes and taking advantage of not taking advantage, but using the fact that, that many of the athletes are really cool personalities and are open, at least in my experience to uh, revealing that and get, letting people get to know them. Well, I I think you're a great, you know, so I guess I'll say what maybe we haven't specifically said, but you, you're on that marketing committee. And I think, respectfully, you're not the only you out there. I mean, I think when we look at all of our committees, one thing that I've sort of been trying to do for the last year is is get some 20-something-year-olds, some millennials on every committee. So we have that next wave of, uh, you know, uh, I'll just say subject matter experts in racquetball. Uh, you know, you're definitely passionate. You're definitely driven. And, and there's other people who maybe – are uh, just as driven and passionate and we haven't connected with them. So those are the folks that we need to be looking for because we can't wait for them to find us and ask. And I think that's the, the thing I've, I've tried to be proactive and ask people to, to get involved. And I think, you know, when I look back, the first time I got involved was probably 18, 19 years ago when I was fresh out of grad school and uh, someone asked me to be involved and I jumped at it. And I never, and it was kind of weird because I don't think I would have thought to ask to be involved just because I would have thought I was too young or didn't have experience or whatever that meant. But everybody has experience in racquetball and everybody's willing. That is the one thing in racquetball. A lot of people are willing to share their best practices because no one's so modest that they won't talk about something if you ask them a specific question or show interest in the programming everybody's willing to share and because they're proud of what they've accomplished in their area that's the one thing particularly in the last couple months i've been talking to people around the country on things just checking in and 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 certain things like that and people are genuinely just like wow you took the time to call me and i don't say that as a, a boast or anything like that i'm just shocked that people thought what they were doing wasn't so significant it required you know some attention or somebody reaching out. So I, I think, uh, you know, I think we can all, so, so, you know, for anyone who's listening, if you're interested, please reach out. Or if you know somebody you'd like to see as a, as a fit or get involved, who would be a good candidate, let, let me know. And, uh, I will reach out to them or or try to get them involved because, uh, there's, there's so many, I mean, I, I, I'm blessed to work with a bunch of great young people. Um, but, uh, that, there's a bunch of 20 somethings who are, are going to be uh, outstanding and we just need to get them engaged versus discourage them from, from helping out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I've found a similar thing where it's people aren't going to ask me, Hey, can I be on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but what I think everyone who I've asked, everyone has been like, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in that or even flattered that I asked, you know, so despite the fact that they're, in my eyes, very impressive people in the sport who should be getting asked to do more things, you know, but yeah, it's interesting that way. But you're providing an outlet no one's ever had or conceived of. And until you created it, I mean, 
other people have done it and it's been entertaining, but it's, it's tough to stick with. So, so what you're the drive you have and the way you're pushing through it and, and your motivation to do it's different than someone else's and, and you're continuing to do it. And, and it's awesome. And like I said, there were other podcasts I've, li- I've listened to almost every racquetball podcast I can find. They've all been great, but I just appreciate that you've, you know, been able to carve out the time to stick with it. Cause it's not, it's not a simple commitment. So I appreciate what you're doing and what other people have done when they've done the podcast. Cause it's so informative. And on each of them, I've gotten to know, you know, more about a person than I would otherwise. And in some cases, those are my conversation starters with people because now it's a way to relate. So it's all good stuff. Nice. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I encourage more people to get involved in, even if it's just on your own, like this really is just on my own. It's not affiliated with anything. Start just putting out content because it's interesting stuff. Anyway, I want to get away from get away from this a bit and shift <laughs> into. Um, I asked you what are your what are the most exciting upcoming things for USA Racquetball. What is the biggest challenge upcoming for USA Racquetball? Um, there's a couple. Um, so in the big scheme of things, it's trying to figure out what the, the secret sauce is to basically getting more young players involved in the sport. We have some great programs when you look around the country, but we've never been able to really box that up and deliver it. And I've talked about doing it and getting together with a couple of people and doing it and, uh, I can see some great tools that the USTA is using. One's called Net Generation that I think Racquetball can create something similar to. There's a lot of subject matter experts on this who are doing things differently in different parts of the country. And if we all work together, uh, we can create something that has each of those elements so that really there's a fit for anyone in the country. So I see that junior element uh, as critical. I see uh, growth period as critical. I think there, there has to be some concept out there um, where you're bringing a friend into clubs to try the sport. I mean, if every single one of our members would bring one person a year in try racquetball, a significant percentage of those might stick with it. I think the one thing that's uh, kind of tricky is how to get those people engaged. So like if, if you brought a buddy who had never played the sport <laughs> into a club to play racquetball, they probably wouldn't be your regular playing partner anytime soon. And I think that becomes the trick. How do you get them engaged with other people? So I think that's a challenge, how to, how to grow the sport in, in that regard. And both of those mechanisms, I said, are sort of underlying uh, solutions that have sort of question marks that feed into what do we need to do to preserve our courts. And you look at clubs uh, around the country and uh, – I'll, I'll go beyond clubs. I'll go to outdoor courts and parks. How do we preserve all the courts that exist? And I think if you have developmental programming, you can grow players. Uh, I see it here locally in St. Louis with our high school program. I think it's the same up there in Oregon. What can we do to create that same kind of enjoyment that the kids are having for people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s? You see different tiers of programming that people enjoy uh, in tennis, I'll use as a comparison, and it works. I also think if you look at pickleball and how people are gravitating to pickleball because it's so simple to, to pick up, racquetball is easy to pick up. You just have to go into the club. And sometimes uh, pickleball or tennis can come to you, 
So it's really important for us to, you know, if you're in clubs or if you're a fan of the sport and playing a club, it's, it's important for us to come up with ways to pull people in into the clubs. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're talking, uh, critical issues too, I, you know, USA racquetball purchased war almost 12 months ago. And I think we need to do more, uh, to work with that group. Uh, I think that's really critical. I think, uh, one of the biggest opportunities to grow the sport is through the outdoor game and the outdoor courts that exist and, uh, three wall ball events coming up here later this month in September. And I've been uh, working with Mike Coulter lately uh, and Hank Marcus and on some calls and talking about this. And it's just, it's really interesting to uh, see that it's a different cast of regulars and players than like the U S open. That's the week after. And I think it's, uh, I think it's a different culture that an indoor player can enjoy outdoor and outdoor player can enjoy indoor both mechanisms can recruit players for different reasons. And so I just gave you a long-winded answer. We have to grow players, and uh, we have to save courts, and we have to use both the indoor and, and outdoor ambassadors to grow the sport. And it's not, it's not picking sides or having some indoor player pulled to play outdoor or outdoor players you know, pulled inside. Who cares about all that stuff? That that shouldn't be happening. It might happen, but like we really, that's not the intent you go in with. We should be looking to grow the pie rather than an indoor, you know, piece trying to get bigger at the expense of an outdoor piece or vice versa. And I think we can all work together and share best practices. And I'm working with a lot of the guys in the war community. And I, I hope to meet some more of them later this month. And, uh, just learn how we can all keep working together on all this. So I, I think uh, just being above board on everything, uh, there's there's things that are working for people, and if people can share those those things, it's great. There's no reason to keep, you know, again, that secret sauce I was talking about to yourself. I mean, there isn't. Anybody who's ever asked me over the years, I wish I would just be cutting and pasting my explanations on the high school program in Missouri when people ask about it. But I also like to have the special ability to talk with that person, see how we can best help their situation when they call and inquire. But I'm, I'm always ready to share what, what we do here. And everybody anywhere in the country that I've asked who has a program, whether it's for adults or juniors, is always willing to share because it's a source of pride for, from that community. They, they want to see it utilized someplace else and grow the game. Totally. And on a related note, I have a question from a man you may know, Brendan Gilgem. Oh, which Brian. is what is one concrete step that a local racquetball player can do to grow slash better the game bring a friend into the club and then the next week each of you bring a friend into the club and then, now you have three new players and those new players outnumber the one who hasn't been playing so they at least have each other so simple answer but at the same time i, I really believe it I, I just think it can be a social thing and how use Brendan as an example, we're, we're reaching out to people who used to play in the high school league. We're using old databases and we're being respectful of the fact that people are out of college now or, or they have, or they're in their early thirties and starting families and they don't have a lot of time or expendable income. So we're investing in them and we're having special programs for those folks. We're, you know, at the club, we're having beer specials and we're, we're, uh, you know, having league play and it's a social, and it's a networking thing. If you look at any lifetime sport, you know, we, we talked about tennis a minute ago and golf's another one. They're great networking opportunities. And if we can, if that can be something that 
that folks have in common. It, it's outstanding. I have people who come to the club every day and play during lunch and that's, you know, how they bond and get to talk with certain friends. It's just, that's the connection. So I think, uh, sometimes that, that connection exists because everybody played before, but we can't assume that we're just going to get people who've played previously <laughs> re-engaged. So we have to be introducing the game to people, whether it's a kid bringing those friends in or whether it's an adult bringing the friends in. But that's the, that's the strategy I always suggest. I've, I've, I have to say, I've been asked that question before, so that's why I have a fast answer for it. So Great. And I want to keep going with the, the questions that people submitted to me uh, to Fire encourage away. that <laughs> coming. <laughs> So the next one, and I'll, I'll, I won't use this one word for word like I did with the last one, but okay. you know, some, some players are known for certain things, right? You know, maybe Cliff is known for his incredible serves or Jason Menino is known for diving. Kane is known for, I don't know, being really good at everything. <laughs> um, you are known as the greatest knee slider of all time, according oh to God. Ryan Maher. <laughs> <laughs> he said, how many years did it take you to master the knee slide? That, I can't believe that came up on here. I haven't heard that one in years. <laughs> Although John Scott used to use it on IRT broadcasts, and I was just stunned when I'd be watching it. It would pop up as a comment. But um, <laughs> that goes back to playing soccer, and I it was a weird thing where I'd go to, I was going to slide tackle and would sort of change my mind. <laughs> and so when I go to dive in my early days of racquetball, I never was head first and it was a really odd thing. So I'd go to stop two and then somehow it, it became a knee slide where I'd, I'd shoot as I'm sliding on my knees across the court. And it was very painful. And I think I gave that up 10 plus years ago and I'm glad, <laughs> but it still comes up, huh? Interesting. Thanks, Ryan. And then the next question is from Suresh, and I'm also just going to paraphrase this one essentially. But the idea of the question is, what are there any efforts being made to market or sell racquetball to bigger networks to get racquetball into the hands of a bigger TV network or something like that? Well... I'm not I'm not sure what his what his intent from that question was like in terms of television networks we have to pay to be broadcast so that's the trick and uh when you look ahead to uh this year's US Open as an example it it won't be broadcast on the tennis channel but it's going to be streamed by the IRT and LPRT and and even uh, simulcast in Spanish so we're actually going to have four streams and we're going to distribute the content. So like, you know, sponsors uh, that are on the front wall will be seen by a larger audience because we'll be streaming on four networks versus broadcasting in a, a single bundle. So, you know, in terms of uh, networks in the, you know, uh, how we get the content out there and the most eyes on it, strategically there are some ways beyond I'll call it broadcast television uh, that the message uh, of our sport can be communicated. And I, and I think, you know, I've, I've talked with a lot of people. I, I shared that earlier when we were talking about the international racquetball federation during the Pan Am championships and me just struggling to find the broadcast right away. I mean, I, I think one of the ideas that's been out there is can we put all the, I'll call it streaming networks 
on a, on a single page. I've heard this from, oh my gosh, I think everybody thinks it's their idea because I've heard it from so many people. So it makes sense to do if this many people think it. But uh, if we can just put them all on one page of links and that's one-stop shopping and then you can just go there just like just like uh, on your satellite or, or, or cable or anything. You, you see all the programs, you see what's live, you see what's there, and, and you can click on it. And if there's nothing being broadcast in that moment, then there's nothing. But then, you know, you can kind of click on any of those to see archived uh, content. So I, I think that's the best way to get more eyes. I, I, don't, I don't actually see a negative uh, to putting everybody together there. I, I don't think we're comp- – again, I, I'm – it's a personal philosophy, but I, th- I think it's also a USA racquetball philosophy. We're not trying to steal from another part of the sports piece of the pie. We just want the whole pie to grow. And I think by uh, putting all of our slices together, maybe it's a bigger pie. Yeah. And I'll say um, shout out to JT Arball, uh, who on Facebook, he's always sharing things and always putting, you can you can like the page called, I believe it's live streaming of racket sports. If you like that page, I, somehow JT Arball is able to throw in all seemingly every single live stream into that page. So if you like that page, oh, wow. you'll get you'll get updates on when there's something streaming. So just if you're if you're someone looking for that, I think that's a really good option. Um, Very cool. Yeah, I'm uh, learning stuff too now. This there is we great. go. <laughs> it's pretty useless to you not being on Facebook, but <laughs> but uh. you're learning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Uh, final question that was submitted. Um, this one comes from Scott Sutherland, and it's kind of more logistical. Um, but can USAR, USRA get reciprocal memberships with Canada and Mexico? It would be nice if we could incorporate both until participation regains its feet. That's a very interesting idea. I've never heard it suggested. I'm fascinated by it, and I'm actually going to look into it. Wow. There we Thanks, go. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> yeah thank you scott <laughs> we're always trying to come up with new ways and i mean we've, we've explored different things and uh you know one of the questions too not trying to hide questions that have been asked of us before but you know when we purchase war is is there a reciprocal nature to the indoor outdoor and right now we're keeping them sort of distinct but that's something we've explored there you just threw in a, a really i really like that question scott that one i'm, I'm going to write down the second i'm off here because that's that's a really good question so and thank you, Dylan, for grabbing that question and asking it, too. So there I really go. like that one. Yeah, Worth looking into, for sure. As a note to whoever else out there, I mean, when you have ideas, USA Racquetball loves to hear them, and whatever other organizations love to hear them. So send them in. That's a great idea, though. I like it. Yeah, really good. Um, well, I I want to be respectful of your time, Dan. Um, we've been on for a little while now. Uh, is there anything you'd like to address with the audience? Um, okay. I have, I have one thing cause I, I was thinking back, I, I should have mentioned this and then you asked the question from Brendan Gilgem. So I wanted to <laughs> bring it, this up too. Yeah, I know. I, I, it almost makes me sick. We're bringing his name up this many times, but he is the new chair for the collegiate committee. And this is the time of year when kids are starting college or starting back to college and this committee has sort of redefined itself recently, and it's really composed of some great people. But what they're looking to do is support kids on college campuses who want to start a team and want to attend collegiate nationals. So with this being September, and uh, I, I was just thinking of this earlier today, 
that this is the time and I'm getting lots of emails. So uh, a young person, I forwarded it along to, to Brendan today and, and a young person's looking to start a team at a college and there's, we're getting a lot of these all of a sudden and this committee is here to help and they want, they can share best practices with you, help support you, be a, a place to go to when you have questions and hopefully in the future they, they can help with fundraising and we might even be able to get some grants going. So uh, it's just neat that we have groups like that. So again, uh, when you were asking about the, the next step, I kind of skipped over that. And when you're asking about the coolest, neatest things that are going on right now, that's another one of those committees that's been active here over the last 60 days. That's just done some great things since the start of August. So cool. I don't think that's what you meant by parting thoughts, but uh, that was a thought that I had uh, let go of three minutes ago. I wanted to remember to bring back in. No, that's perfect. All right, Dan. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Dylan. I appreciate you uh, bringing me on here anytime. And, uh, you know, getting back to transparency real quick. Our goal is to continue to share things. So if anyone has ideas, mechanisms we can use to share content, you know, whether it's distributing, you know, minutes or bullets or, or, or some uh, way to paraphrase the content of our, our board meetings. We, we're more than happy to do that too. Um, it's whatever. I, I don't want to act like every meeting we have is super exciting or super productive because a lot of the work is done outside of the meetings. But, you know, uh, just any opportunity to share what uh, all the folks on the committees and boards and, you know, around the sport too. And, and I'm going to throw one more committee in there too just because i want to boast on them but our, our membership committee um scott fish if anyone knows scott fish another person from oregon uh he's on our board and he's doing some great things uh, with that membership committee but but their you know newest charge is to get more engaged with the state associations and help the state associations so for example if you're you're trying to get your state association going and it's kind of uh you know having a slow start out of the gate, the membership committee would be able to get you in touch with a, a, a more polished state association. And if you're a more polished state association and you're having trouble with something for the first time, there's probably another polished state association that's had that same challenge and we can help versus thinking you're fighting an uphill battle on your own. Again, the common theme across all this is communication and uh, everybody sharing and the fact that everybody really wants to work together. I, I plan to, I, I, I'm going to be at the U.S. Open, and I'm going to be at the three-wall ball championships at the end of September, too. And the coolest thing on both when I stop and, and think about it is it's the IRT, the LPRT, the Military Racquetball Federation, War, three-wall ball, USA Racquetball. We're all working together to make all of these events go. We're not working against each other, and I, I don't quite understand uh, – I've been saying this for a year in small groups, but now I, I feel like I can say a lot. I don't feel like any of us are working against each other. I think we're all working towards the same thing. And I think now with communication, we're all talking and realizing we can be helpful to each other. And so I'm really excited to see what the next 365 days brings. So thanks. Thanks for having me on here tonight to, to share some of the things that our, our board and folks are doing. But I, I think there's, there's more than just our board doing some crazy awesome things right now there's just a lot of people when you look around the sport so thanks for giving them all a platform on your show appreciate it there we go doing my best <laughs> thanks dan thanks for coming on man all right take care dylan you too